In the second chapter of 2 Timothy, at verse 19, uh, Paul writes this to his young son in the faith. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands. Having this seal, the Lord knows those who are his. Let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. The apostle was absolutely convinced that everything about the gospel was based on a solid foundation. And he calls it the solid foundation of God. And this evening I want to talk on this theme, this solid ground. The Lord knows each one whom he's called to himself through the gospel, which is his power to salvation for all who will believe. God the Father knows those who are in Christ his Son. And he knows those who he has declared justified. And on the basis of that, those who have received new life in Christ Jesus will live a new life in Christ Jesus. That new life in Christ is what Jesus is teaching us in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 on Sunday mornings. Here in Romans, Paul will explain from a doctrinal point of view why it can only be that way, why it has to be that way. And in the opening two verses of Romans 5, Paul reminds us of the solid ground on which we stand as Christian believers. If your hope and trust is in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're not standing in quicksand. You have your feet placed firmly on solid ground. It will not shift from underneath you. He'll remind us of the Christian's unchanging position. The Christian's unchanging peace. The Christian's unchanging access. And the Christian's unchanging joy. So let's consider first of all the Christian's unchanging position. Therefore, having been justified by faith. Now the issue of vaccinations has featured large in, large in our news headlines in recent months. Sorry to mention it one more time, but I actually find it quite helpful in one particular way. Hopefully you'll understand what I'm getting at. Have you or haven't you been double jabbed? It seems to be the question everyone is asking. And of course, the big political and ethical conundrum widely being debated is whether or not being vaccinated should become some kind of condition of admission to all kinds of events and venues and even into or out of other countries. Uh, and should those who haven't been vaccinated be excluded or not. Now, that issue is not the one I'm interested in this evening. You can go away and deba debate that if you must. Whatever your views are, it's an interesting situation, and I mention it because the issue of vaccination actually bears some similarities to what Paul is talking about regarding justification. The grounds by which God declares us to be in right standing with himself. The issue that we've been thinking about in recent weeks. 
Well, going back to vaccines for a moment, if you decide that you are going to have the vaccination, off you go to the centre of your choice and you sit down in front of the person who's going to put that needle into your arm. Uh, for some of you, uh, that is no problem at all. For others of you, you'll be picked up off the ground five minutes later, I know. But as the needle goes in and the vaccine enters your body, you are being vaccinated and from that moment onwards, you have been vaccinated. Being vaccinated is both the initial act of the clinician who's administering the vaccine. We can call that being vaccinated. And it's also the condition which you now continue to have. You have been vaccinated and now you are vaccinated. It is both that initial event and it is your ongoing condition. I had a hepatitis vaccination a few years ago and several months later was advised that you can return, you can have a booster jab and that secures your being vaccinated against hepatitis C for 40 years. Well, that should do me, I thought. I'm probably not going to live for another 40 years, so that's me sorted on that one. So I was vaccinated, but I am vaccinated. Paul wants to remind Christians that this new standing that you have before God in Christ Jesus, to no longer be under God's condemnation, but instead to be forgiven and to be accepted because of all that Jesus has done to save sinners, it's kind of the same language he uses about justification that we use to talk about vaccination. When a sinner turns to Christ in repentance by faith and believes and trusts in him and, and lays everything upon this work of salvation, a remarkable change takes place in your standing before God. God's wrath and anger is turned away because Christ is seen by the Father as having taken your sin. He was your sin bearer for you on the cross. And as we've been thinking, his righteousness is imputed to you. It is counted as being yours in your legal standing before the Father. And instead of being under God's condemnation, you stand before him justified with no sin or guilt to answer for because Christ has done that for you. There and then, you are justified. Just like as the needle goes in, you are vaccinated. And it's done. It's done. And from that moment on, justified continues to be your condition continues to be your standing before God. And so Paul says, therefore, having been justified by faith, it's something that happened then, when I first trusted in Christ. But it's, that is exactly where I am right now. It's where I will be tomorrow. It's where I will be next year if I'm still here. It's where I will be till my dying day, justified, nothing changing. 
It's something which you had as a starting point, but it's also something which continues and remains. You are as justified today as the moment that God first declared it of you. And this is the Christian's unchanging position before God. And in many ways, this is the whole root of the solid ground upon which we stand. And what a glorious thing this is. None of it depends upon you. That is good news. That's what makes it so glorious. You can't lose it. Just like in vaccination, you either are vaccinated or you're not. And that's your choice. Either you are justified or you're not. And if not, why would you choose not to accept God's free gift? Those of you who haven't. Why would you not accept such a gift as this? And Christian friends, here is, here is one of the greatest truths the Bible contains. Having been justified, God has done it. And once done, it's done forever. It's complete. It's unchanging. It's not reversible. Now, there are false professions out there. Maybe there are some false professions in here. Those who would pro pro profess to be a Christian, but in reality who aren't. But for those who know, and one of the works of God's Spirit is to really uh, come into our own souls, His Spirit bearing witness with our own spirit that you are a child of God and the Word of God coming alive to you. And from this single act of God springs all of our other blessings and privileges in Christ. Because of this, says Paul, nothing will ever be the same again for the Christian. Here, all of our doubts and fears and anxieties are dispelled and dismissed. Having been justified. Right there. We look away from the things of this world and we, we only have to begin to remember this one truth and then all the others come flooding in as well. Having been justified. What is our great hope and cause of rejoicing as loved ones lie before us nearing their journey's end. What is our one hope and cause of rejoicing? It's this, having been justified. Because that means all is well with my soul. Is it well with yours? Even in death, especially in death. This is the solid ground of the faith. Is this what you're standing on? And the natural consequence of this is, secondly, the Christian's unchanging peace. We have peace with God 
through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the Bible does talk, of course, about us having the peace of God. We actually looked at that a few weeks ago on one Wednesday evening in our little series on God's promises, promised peace. But this peace, which Paul is speaking about here, is actually more fundamental and basic than that. The reason why we may know the peace of God is because if you have now been justified, you are at peace with God. Well, here are two friends, maybe even family members, and they've fallen out big style. They haven't spoken to each other for months, years. And when, whenever they speak about each other, it's just an, an avalanche of bile and malice and bitterness and blame gaming and those who've sought to try and ha- get them reconciled, they're just at their wit's end. And then one day, much to everyone's astonishment, they're seen sitting together in a coffee shop, talking to one another, just like old times, like nothing's ever been wrong. And to everyone's utter surprise and delight, they're at peace with each other once again. The war is over. Fellowship, friendship is restored. And there's great rejoicing over it. You have peace with God. He has reached out to you in mercy and grace. Because we in our sin, we were never going to go running to him first. He's come to us, reached out to us in mercy and grace. In your sins, you'd made yourself to be an enemy of God. You blasphemed him, disowned him dismissed him, maligned him, derided him. However great, however little, however publicly, however privately. And yet here you are now as a humble believer in repentance and faith, worshipping and praising God. His anger was burning hot against you. And yet now you know him abounding towards you in loving kindness. He's received you as his child. You are greeted as the father met his prodigal son, running to him, throwing his arms around him, a ring put on his finger, clean clothes and sandals placed upon his body, a great feast of rejoicing beginning. He was dead, but he's alive. He was lost, but he's found. The son Oh, how tearful and afraid. What kind of reception might await me? He had nothing to fear. All is at peace. It's a wonderful thing to be at peace with someone, isn't it? Judgment and punishment for us were on the horizon. Not anymore. All in Christ is restored, reconciled, satisfied. What a thing it is to be at peace with God and to have him at peace with you through Christ so that you now live at peace with him. And it took Christ 
to produce this. It took Christ to bear in his own body the guilt and the punishment of your sins. As we partake of the bread and the cup shortly, these symbols are a reminder that because Christ did this, you now are at peace with God, having been justified. One of the reasons why the Lord's Supper is meant to be a means of grace to us is it drives us back to this solid ground, reminds us where it is we stand, what it is we're standing upon in Christ Jesus. We'll remember together our unchanging position before God. We'll remember together our unchanging peace with God through Christ because of all that he has done and which the Father is pleased to accept. And we're also reminded at the Lord's Supper that through Christ we have an unchanging access to God through whom we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We stand. And it's the kind of standing uh, when an army takes a stand. It's the kind of standing uh, when someone with strong political convictions gets up to the rostrum and makes a stand into this grace in which we stand, sure, convinced, convicted. When Jesus died, it's recorded that the temple in Jerusalem, which had an enormous, thick, heavy curtain in it, that that curtain was torn in two. And importantly, it's recorded that it was torn from the top to the bottom. That curtain separated the rest of the temple from the most holy place, or sometimes known as the Holy of Holies. It was the very centre of worship. Within that holy place, historically, had lain the Ark of the Covenant, a large wooden box overlaid with pure gold constructed at the time of Moses, 1,500 years earlier. Uh, its actual whereabouts unknown since the destruction of Jerusalem by the Babylonians. But that's where the Ark of the Covenant used to be. And the curtain is still there in the temple. And on top of the lid of the Ark was an area known as the Mercy Seat, and once a year on a feast day known as the Day of Atonement, the high priest would enter that most holy place and sprinkle upon the mercy seat the blood of a sacrificed animal for the forgiveness of the sins of the whole nation. Without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins because the wages of sin is death. Only the high priest on that one special day would go behind that curtain and enter that most holy place. But on the day that Jesus died on the cross, as he died, that curtain was ripped into two pieces from top to bottom. And of course, as that curtain ripped from top to bottom, that curtain would have fallen away to the side and revealed 
the most holy place. Revealing it and laying it open now. Why? Because of what's just happened on a Roman cross just outside the city wall. That's why. Full access. As full as any human being can ever have into the very presence of God because Jesus was the once for all sacrifice for all sin, for all sinners who will come to him. The former temple ceremonies of which that curtain played a huge part, God now has been able to put away because of Jesus. No more needs to be done because all that was needed to be done has been done by Christ. Look to him. Be saved. Receive God's gift of grace. When Moses approached that burning bush which wasn't burning, God told him to take off his shoes before he dare approach that holy ground. Later, as God appeared in front of all of Israel at Mount Sinai, They were entreated not to step beyond the foot of the mountain, lest they die. Isaiah, confronted with the great vision of the Lord in all his holiness and purity and majesty, could only fall down on his face in the dirt, overwhelmed by his own sinfulness. You have been justified. God now bids you come. Approach me in Christ, through Christ, because of Christ. We have access where others feared to step. Because of all that Jesus has done for us, the way is open by grace, through faith. Your sin and guilt has been taken by Christ. His righteousness before the Father credited to you, and you may come, and you are accepted. What an amazing blessing and privilege that is. This is the solid ground on which we stand. And this will forever remain unchanged if you know that in Christ you have been justified. And one final truth, the Christian's unchanging joy. Rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Now we do enter into something of God's glory straight away as a Christian in our union with the Lord Jesus Christ. Our being justified before God our Father is a glorious thing. This new life in Christ that we receive as a creature is a glorious thing thing. The many blessings and privileges that we receive as the Lord's people are glorious. There is something immensely glorious about being a Christian and being adopted as a child of God. But for Paul to use the expression, in hope of the glory of God, he has in mind here our final and glorious future resting place when we shall forever be with the Lord in that place of ultimate and complete and perfect glory, where all sin is no more. And we rejoice in hope 
always. Why? Because we have this continuing certainty of it. Having been justified. And not just the glory of God, but our own glorious transformation as Christ presents us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Such will be our joy then that we are rejoicing in it in anticipation now. Suffering can be endured because when we place suffering alongside that which is yet to be but surely will be, this suffering seems light by comparison. This light affliction, which is just but for a moment, it's working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will be with him in glory. It's going to be a wonderful thing. when the pain and grief of bereavement comes knocking on your door. And that pain and grief is very real. But there's this joy which even the pain of bereavement cannot overwhelm or derail. As a train is in great danger of coming off the tracks, when something significant is placed on the rails in front of it, you might suppose that something like joy is bound to be the first thing that disappears when the storms of life batter you. But the Christian discovers that that is not the case because this joy has as its focus this certain new position that you have in Christ that can never be threatened and can never be taken away can never be stolen from you. Whatever may happen along the way, nothing can hinder your progress or shake you off course because you have been justified. Because in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Christian has this solid ground. Having been justified, done, declared, fixed forever an unchanging position, unchanging peace, unchanging access, unchanging joy. Look around the world in which you live. The last 18 months of pandemic, searing temperatures and wildfires on the west coast of the USA, life-destroying floods in mainland Europe. The Taliban, apparently, rapidly reclaiming now huge swathes of Afghanistan. An unchanging position? Don't think so. Unchanging peace? Don't think so. Unchanging joy? Not much to be seen out there. Where you ever, where are you ever going to find such security as this? It's unattainable, says the world. Foolish talk. Well, is it unattainable? That rather depends who it is that's doing the attaining of it. 
this has been attained for you by God in Christ. That's what makes the difference. As we were reminded this morning, it depends upon whose righteousness you're depending upon. I want to point you again this evening to that which God has attained for sinners through the Lord Jesus Christ, which in a few moments we'll be remembering together. Love divine, all loves excelling, joy of heaven to earth come down. Fix in us thy humble dwelling, all thy faithful mercies crown Jesus. Thou art all compassion, pure unbounded love thou art. Visit us with thy salvation. Enter every trembling heart. Breathe, O oh breathe, thy loving spirit into every troubled breast. Let us all in thee inherit. Let us find thy promised rest. Take away our love of sinning. Alpha and Omega B end of faith as its beginning set our hearts at liberty come almighty to deliver let us all thy life receive suddenly return and never never more thy temples leave thee we would be always blessing serve thee as thy hosts above pray and praise thee without ceasing, glory in thy perfect love. Finish then thy new creation, pure and spotless let us be. Let us see thy great salvation, perfectly restored in thee, changed from glory into glory, till in heaven we take our place till we cast our crowns before thee, lost in wonder, love and praise. An unchanging position, unchanging peace, unchanging access, unchanging joy. This, the solid ground on which you stand.